looking tonight at the table of showbread, the table of showbread, and I originally intended to cover uh, the table of showbread tonight and uh, the, uh, the light uh, there in the tabernacle, the golden lampstand, um, but we're just going to look at the, the bread tonight, and I have entitled it the bread of fellowship, uh, the bread of fellowship, and we've already talked about, uh, and, and really this is going to be kind of thematic, uh, through um, the tabernacle, uh, is that Hebrews tells us that all these things are a copy and a foreshadow. And so we'll be looking at uh, the foreshadowing or the copying, uh, and we talked about the difference between a copy and a foreshadow. Uh, so we'll be looking at the, the copying and the foreshadowing of the table for bread tonight. Uh, so let's read Exodus chapter 25, we'll read verse 23 through verse 30. And then we'll look at uh, this table of showbread, and, um, and we'll have, have the sermon tonight. Uh, Exodus 25, verse 23. You shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold all around. You shall make it for a frame of a handbreadth all around, and you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. You shall make for it four rings of gold and put the rings on the four corners that are at its four legs. The rings shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold that the table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pictures, and bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold. You shall set the showbread on the table before me always." Now let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for, uh, God, the, uh, the shadows and the, the copies that we find in the tabernacle. Uh, Lord, we thank you that they do point to Christ, and they point to our relationship with you that we can have through Christ. Uh, Lord, they point towards eternity. Uh, Lord, they point towards uh, events and celebrations that have not yet occurred, God, that uh, if we're saved, we can, we can stand on the promise that those days will come and those events will come to pass. Uh, God, and I pray that you would help us to live in that reality tonight. God, I pray that you would realign us according to your word. Uh, God, realign our, uh, our priorities, uh, realign our concerns. Uh, God, realign our desires. Uh, Lord, according to what is real and what is true and what is proven in your word. Uh, God, in what we by faith, uh, Lord, know we will see, uh, God, in the days ahead of our lives. God, we thank you. Uh, Lord, for what you've done here, I pray that you would give us a good understanding. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. I will uh, make a, a confession to you. Uh, I decided uh, today, I had kind of an idea, kind of a plan of, of, of the sermon, where the sermon was going to go. You know, we're looking at the table of showbread, and uh, Jesus is the bread of life, and so we'll be in Exodus 25, we'll look at the table of showbread, we'll consider the table, we'll talk about bread, then we'll move into John chapter 6 where Jesus says he is the bread and we'll see what he's got to say about bread uh, and then we'll uh, you know, conclude uh, our, our sermon in that way and the more I begin to, to study on this and the more I kind of wrap my mind around it, uh, the more I really begin to, to change my understanding of this table of showbread and what is, what is signified here. Uh, so, you know, maybe <clears throat> a little bit different uh, than what I expected even uh, in getting into to the message. 
so maybe it'll be, be a little different and helpful uh, for all of us tonight. Uh, I am going to look, first of all, simply uh, looking at the table. Uh, the Bible gives uh, here seven verses uh, to describe how it is to be made and the size that it is to be made and all those things. It's uh, three feet long, 18 inches deep, if you will, and 27 inches high. Uh, not a very tall table, not a very large table, not a very fantastic table. Uh, the table that we have in front of us here uh, is bigger than that in every way. It's wider, taller, uh, thicker. Uh, <clears throat> so it was a smaller table. Like the ark, it was to be built with acacia wood and overlaid with gold. Remember we talked about that when we talked about the ark of the covenant. It was basically a box, an open-faced box uh, of wood. Uh, but then it was covered with pure gold. It was overlaid with gold. Uh, and the mercy seat on top made of pure gold. So we see that again. And we, we mention, and I'm just going to kind of uh, mention it and continue to go, that uh, you can see the, the, uh, the deity of Christ as well as the humanity uh, of Christ uh, built a similar way. Uh, the gold molding around the top, you can see that. Uh, in verse 25, make a frame of a handbreadth uh, all around. Uh, so they're about the width of a man's hand. There's a, a frame around it with gold. Uh, so not a flat top table like what we have here, but something all around it to keep the bread safely in. You know, things aren't going to fall off of this table. Things aren't going to slide off this table. If it's on the table or in the table, then it's, unlike my water, it's safe there on the table. Uh, so kind of have a, a picture of that in your mind. And then rings and poles, similar to the ark, were made and fastened for it for transportation. Remember, this, whole, this is the tabernacle. This is not the temple, uh, right? The, this is to be picked up and moved as God picked up and moved. This was his throne room. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, this, was, this is not to be thought of as much as a uh, meeting place for worship like our modern churches. Uh, as much as it was a throne room of God uh, in his uh, throne room. Uh, it was complete with golden plates, bowls, and pitchers, uh, and those were made of pure gold. Uh, so on this table, you've got the bread, but along with the table, uh, you've got plates for the bread, you've got golden pitchers, uh, and we'll see in a minute that frankincense would have been in there, would have been uh, used to pour the frankincense uh, over the bread, uh, so plates and bowls uh, for, for that. Then you have uh, the bread, the bread. Uh, the table was never to be empty. Verse 30, you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. The table was never to be empty of bread. It was always to have bread on it. Uh, much like the, uh, the lamp stand that we're going to look at next week, it was to always be lit, to always be burning. Um, so, um, and that, that pretty much closes out what we see in Exodus chapter 25. Uh, so move with me to Leviticus 24, if you would. Leviticus 24, we get a little bit more detail uh, about this uh, table of showbread. Leviticus 24 and verse 5 through 9 is where we're going to read here. You shall take the fine flour and bake twelve cakes with it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row, 
on the pure gold table before the Lord. And you shall put frankincense on each row, that it may be on the bread for memorial and offering made by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, for it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. So now we're getting into some detail about the bread. It's not just have some bread on the table, uh, but he wants 12 cakes of bread uh, along with frankincense that we've already uh, talked about. Uh, this was to be provided weekly uh, by the people representing their continual uh, consent to the covenant. Uh, you see that in verse 8. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. So weekly they would change out the bread. Now when you think of bread sitting out in open air for a week, uh, nobody wants to eat that bread right at the end of the week. Uh, this is not to be thought of as the kind of bread. This would have been like a, like a flat bread, like a, a tortilla, I guess, would probably be, or a pita uh, maybe would be uh, the closest thing that, that I would describe for you. Uh, nonetheless, I don't know that I still want to eat that after sitting out for a week, uh, but that's the, every week they would come and bring 12 more cakes of bread. It was uh, what is being described here. Uh, it's actually being flavored by the frankincense. Uh, and I looked this up. Uh, yeah, it, sound, it makes your face do that. Exactly, Stephanie. Uh, it makes your face do that. Uh, but I've looked this up. This is, this is not abnormal in many parts of the world uh, that they flavor their bread with frankincense. Uh, so it was to be flavored with the frankincense and then actually baked by the priest. So there's preparation going on uh, by Aaron and his sons here. They're preparing the bread. They're making the bread uh, and, and, um, and putting it on the table. But notice what he says in verse 8. Taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. It is a picture. It is symbolic of their continual consent to the covenant. As long as they are keeping bread on the table, they are showing that they are still in the covenant. They are still in the promise within the covenant of God. Uh, if they remove that bread, they're symbolically saying we're no longer uh, a part of this covenant. And notice also the priests were to eat it there in the holy place. You might would think, oh, well, they get the bread out of there and they take it somewhere else and eat it. Don't eat in here, uh, you know, and get crumbs on the floor or don't eat in the holy place or whatever. No, God specifically says, I want you to eat it here in the holy place. And we're going to look at what uh, is being shadowed. So uh, just kind of running through uh, very practically what is going on. You've got a small table. You've got two rows of six cakes of bread uh, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. You've got pure gold bowls and plates and a pitcher uh, there for taking the frankincense and, and, and putting it on the bread, uh, covering the bread. And weekly they would take from the people uh, a replacement for that bread and then they would change that, they would cook that bread and change that bread out and then Aaron and his sons would eat of the bread. So it kind of gives you an idea of, of what's going on. So let's look at what is being shadowed. What is being shadowed? First of all, what is being shadowed by the bread? The tabernacle 
being God's place, it is fitting for him to have a royal table, right? Uh, if, you know, if, if you were to go into uh, a king's quarters, you would assume uh, that there is prepared for him at all times some kind of feast. Uh, the best thing that I can associate with this is when I go on a cruise, I expect at any time of the day or night to be able to walk over and have a king's feast. That's one of my favorite things about going on the cruise. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, I gained nine pounds last time I went on a cruise uh, and have not yet gotten rid of those nine pounds, as a matter of fact. Uh, so that's something you can kind of expect. That, the idea of, of a kingly position, there's always to be their bread for him. As I said, the 12 pieces of bread uh, represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, and so uh, thinking about the bread in that way, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, first of all, it was to show a thankful acknowledgement of their dependence on God and his goodness towards them. When you think about the table of showbread being taken from the people, it was part of their gift, part of their offering, that they would give the bread towards the temple to sit there to be in the presence of God. It would show their thankfulness that God had provided to them so that they could then give a portion of that back, give some of that back. It showed their gratitude. It showed their dependence upon God. You know, why, why give a portion back? Why put any bread up there? Because God can't earn his own bread. Because if we don't, the priests will go hungry. Uh, it's not as though the priests fed their families off of 12 cakes of bread a week. All right, That's not what's going on here. Um, so it's, it's not about God needing bread and not being able to obtain any. It's not about the priests needing to be fed. It's about their opportunity to give back to God and show God, we depend on you. You have bestowed way more than this on us, and this is what you have asked of us, and so we gladly and thankfully give it. Uh, it also showed, and I, I believe this is a, is a big, big part of it, it showed the token of their fellowship with God, their presence in the temple. Whereas the tabernacle, re, re, or excuse me, whereas the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence, right, there in the Holy of Holies. The 12 pieces of bread resembled uh, their presence there in the tabernacle, their presence in the presence of God. It was a token of fellowship with God. Now, they couldn't go in. All, you know, what, three million of the Israelites couldn't go into the tabernacle. We talked about how small the tabernacle was, but not just for practical reasons could they not all go into the tabernacle, but it was only for the priest to go into the tabernacle. So the priest goes in, and the priest is representing the people there before God by bringing a portion from them, by making 12 different cakes of bread, unleavened, right? Leaven be a picture of sin in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, brought and baked by the fire, according to Leviticus chapter 24, right? Being purged and cleansed, and then presenting that to God. And so it's a token or representation of their fellowship with God. 
That's gonna, it doesn't just come up in the bread. It's going to come up again later with the priest. But then thirdly, it is a type of the spiritual nourishment to be found in God's house. It is a type of the spiritual nourishment. Like I said, it wasn't as though Aaron was feeding his family on 12 cakes a week. Uh, it's, not how, it's not about that, uh, but it is about the nourishing aspect of the bread. Of course, God does not eat bread. Of course, Aaron didn't need the bread for sustenance, like we talked about uh, with the Lord's table. We don't come in here before the Lord's table with our cracker and our bit of juice to get physical nourishment. Right? We come for spiritual nourishment. And the bread here rep represents the spiritual nourishment that we find in the presence of God. Isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we long for? Isn't that what our souls long for? Uh, now, to take the bread and talk about Jesus as being the bread of life, well, I don't think that's exactly true to the context. The nourishment there, our nourishment is in Jesus Christ. He is the only soul-satisfying person. He is the only soul-satisfying thing that we can ever take part in, that we can ever abide with, that we can ever learn from, listen to, just simply dwell in the presence of, bring our thoughts and cares and emotions to, that soul-satisfying, spiritually nourishing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So it's a type of the nourishment needed for the Spirit. I hope, I pray, that when you come in here on a Wednesday night, when you give your Wednesday night, when you've been chasing a four-year-old for the past 12 hours, Brother Roger, or when you've been at work all day, uh, on your feet and moving around, or wherever you've been, and you sacrifice to come in here on a Wednesday night, my prayer, the weight of when I get up here, is that we'll be presented from the Word of God an opportunity to have our souls nourished. Not by good preaching. Not by good singing. Not just by good fellowship. But by the very presence of God. All the rest of that will run out. All the rest of that will grow boring and tiresome. You compare, uh, you know, watching me for 30 minutes to a good, you know, interesting television show. You, you know, this, they don't compare, right? Are you with me on that? If that's what you're coming for entertainment, it's not going to feel. But if you're coming and experiencing the nourishing presence of God, that's what's going to feel. That's what's going to satisfy your soul. That's what's going to strengthen you to go forward into tomorrow. That's what's going to strengthen you to go forward by faith into whatever circumstances or trials that you are in or will face tomorrow. So there's the nourishment to be found. I have here in God's house, but I think more so for us in the presence of God. I'm glad that we can find that here, but I hope that you practice finding that away from here as well so what is being shadowed here by the priest jesus uh, is our great high priest who presents us blameless we talked about the unleavened bread before god you know they again in this time they couldn't come into the tabernacle just anybody 
who was maybe distraught or maybe discouraged or maybe so desirous to see the inside of the tabernacle or so desirous to come and, and worship God, they could not come into the tabernacle for any of it to take part in the, of the showbread, to go into the Holy of Holies. They couldn't go in for any of it. But they, what they needed and what they had and what God supplied, because it is a shadow of the time that we live in now, was they needed a high priest. They needed a priest to go in before them to represent them. I'm thankful that I can come boldly before the throne of God, but I can only do that because I'm a child of God and I'm only a child of God because Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. So Jesus is our great high priest who represents us before God in a way that we couldn't represent ourselves. In a way that if we had to represent ourselves, we would fall short. At one time, only certain men could eat the bread. Now anyone who is in Christ can come in and fellowship with the Father. I mean, if we decide, just about you know, just about any of us in here, if we decide to get together, what are we going to do when we get together? We're going to eat something. You know, have you? I mean, it's not on the regular that you invite somebody over to your house just to sit and look at each other. You know, usually you're like, y'all want to come over? For dinner, right? I've, there's a couple of different men that you know we meet together for different reasons and things like that. And it's always, you want to get together for breakfast? You know, or at least for coffee? Or for something? I've got all kinds of dirt on what Joel orders for breakfast, but I've sworn to secrecy not to say it in front of his wife. I'm assuming she can't hear, so I will go into great detail about what... No, I won't. I won't. I won't do that. But we know, we understand, we recognize, right, there's fellowship when we eat together. You know, that's something that, you know, the, the old joke is, that's something that we Baptists are good at, right? It's having, having food, eating together. Why is that? Because that's a natural way to fellowship. And G, uh, God commands these high priests, don't, like, what if I invited you to come to my house? I'm like, hey, my wife's making beef, you know, beef tips. Won't y'all come over and have some? And you showed up with a to-go plate and heaped it up and said, boy, we sure do appreciate the beef tips, and you left. You'd be standing there going, is that, is that good or is that bad? What just happened here, right? God says, don't come in here and get the bread and leave. Come in here and eat it with me. Come in here and abide in my presence. You know, we, we talked about this going back up to the top of the chapter where God called Moses to come up to the mountain and to be there. Be there. Something that always gets on my nerves when we're on vacation is how long my wife will spend doing her devotions. Everybody's looking at me like I'm the worst husband ever and probably the worst pastor ever. I got things to do. I'm on vacation. We want to go do stuff. And she's just going to have her devotions and have her devotions. Oh, I'm going to follow this trail and follow that trail. And I'm going, if you'll stop having devotions, we can do something. She's enjoying abiding in the presence of God. That's so much better than going, well, you know, 15 minutes. Well, you know, I I'm, I'm, uh, did my 15 minutes. Let me get out of here. You know? 
So much better than going, well, you know, church is over at 11.45. You know, I th- yeah, we, we'll, we'll jump out of here as fast as we can. And What about coming and abiding in the presence of God? What about sitting down with God? What about getting up in the morning and doing your devotions, I, I think, is how you ought to start your day. But what about cutting off the TV in the evening and taking those long hours that generally go to primetime television and just spending time with God. That's what God is searching for here. He's looking for fellowship from us. He wants fellowship from us. We might, again, if we were making the rules, we might would go, well, the priests go in, they get the bread, but they got to get out. You don't eat bread. That's how you don't eat bread in the presence of God. Right? We don't. We wouldn't dare do that. God says, no, no, no. Come and eat and fellowship with me. And as they partook of the 12 cakes of bread, it's a representation of all of Israel being in fellowship with God. What is being shadowed by the table? Luke 22, if you will, turn with me to Luke 22. I've got two more places in scripture I want us to go tonight and we won't go back to Exodus what is being shadowed by the table what is being shadowed by this table of showbread showbread I believe two things are are being shadowed really well I, I believe one thing is being shadowed and then Jesus sits down and gives us another shadow of that thing but Luke 22 14 through 16 when the hour had come he sat down, that's Jesus, and the hour being uh, the, the Lord's Supper there, the night he was arrested. He sat down in the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, I've all, I, when I saw this for the first time, I thought this was one of the most fantastic verses of Scripture. With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I believe that the table of showbread was a shadow of Jesus sitting down with his twelve disciples and saying, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus had a fervent desire to sit down and eat and fellowship and talk and teach and show and serve. Remember, as he washed their feet, his 12 disciples. We all know in the Lord's table, he builds expectation for the new covenant as well as future eating together. Right? He continues on saying, This is my cup, this is the new covenant, verse 20, in my blood which is shed for you. He raises expectations for the new covenant. But he also raises expectation for future eating together. He said, I will no longer eat of this Passover, verse 16, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom 
of God. Turn with me to Revelation 19, if you would. Revelation 19, 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then He said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He said to me, These are the true sayings of God. One day it will be granted... To us as the bride of Christ, to be presented to Him as clean and bright and to joyfully, verse 7, sit down with Him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I believe what is pictured here with this table of showbread is the table when you and I will have perfect, full fellowship with Christ where we will rejoice and we will praise him and we will sing and we will shout and we will magnify the lamb who was slain for us who has granted us cleanliness and spotlessness and brightness he's made us into something glorious so that others can look at us and say how magnificent the creator of this glorious one. And we can sit down and fellowship with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Isn't it amazing to, to, I want you to really think and consider, we're not talking about Bible stories here. We're talking about history. We're talking about reality. We're talking about how God, thousands of years ago, began cracking open the door to revealing to us His long-term, ultimate desire for us is that we can sit down with Him and eat the bread of life, Jesus Christ, and fellowship with Him as His perfect, sinless bride. And He began showing that to us when he told Moses on the mountain. I'm wondering more and more what Moses saw (laughs) when Moses was on that mountain. When he told Moses on the mountain to make this simple, little, small table of showbread. He was beginning the story to show us one one more side of it. Right? It's all of Christ, but there's so many symbols and so many shadows and so many copies and so many different angles. He wants to fellowship with us. And that comes only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for your word.